Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick, joined today by the tallest podcaster in Arizona, Michael Benjamin. What's going on? What up, what up? Also with us today, we have VSP Tallman, a.k.a. White Tupac. How you doing, brother? <laughs> Good. What's going on, guys? Oh, you know, just... White, that's that's a new one, White Tupac. White Tupac. I thought I'd come up with some fun fun nicknames for you guys. Maybe we'll switch it up. But um, So I'm just the tallest at this point? That's it? Yeah, nobody, nobody uh, go and fact check that. Mike is the tallest podcaster in Arizona, certified, Valley Sports Plug certified. Um, you heard it straight from the horse's mouth. Get, uh, get Guinness records in here to uh, make it official. Bust out the measuring tape. Yeah, where's lights that? and the cameras. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm glad to be back. We're recording this on Sunday, August 14th, 2022. Uh, should have this out to you guys in the next couple days. Um, wow, it's been an entire month. Um, I guess that's what we said we were going to do, right? A once a month podcast? So it's longer than a month. Though. It seems like it. Well, we, yeah. you and I, you and I, Cody, were sneaking in a few in between there for a while for the first couple. Uh, yeah, we haven't done for the first that. couple months. We haven't been able to do it for a while. We got busy uh, this summer, but um, we have been supplementing it with the live streams. Um, I don't know if you're checking it out. Uh, we are on YouTube. Search Valley Sports Plug. Uh, we're out there just to get the others' social medias out there for reference. We are on Twitter and Instagram at az underscore vsp. Facebook.com slash Valley Sports Plug. And you, from there, you can find all of our individual socials if you uh, if you wish. But um, yeah, just really happy to be back um, sitting down with you guys. I know Cody hates the live streams, so um, we drag him out to, to record these audio-only podcasts. <laughs> Why do you keep saying that? Because you're a hater, and I am too. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just busy, man. It's a thing, man. <laughs> Until it's not a thing, it's, it's we got to say right. it. It is till it isn't. But that's yeah. all right. Hey, I understand. Everybody's busy. We spend a lot of our time for our work in front of computers anyways, so I could totally understand not wanting to do it yeah, and it's, uh, it's, unnecessarily. But it's I think hot it, in my office, too. <laughs> get an extra fan in there. I don't, well, like, I need to get on. a ceiling fan. You don't have a ceiling fan in your no, office? No, I don't. Yeah. Well, that's your first mistake. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Dude, they're a pain in the ass to install. No, it's not that bad. I did, I did one downstairs. But this is also Arizona. Like You should have one in every room. Well, yeah, but it doesn't cool down a room. It just moves air around the room. Yeah, it moves the cool air around the room. <laughs> okay, all right, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Mike Tallman, happy to have you here. Uh, let's get down to it. Last time we uh, met up, we talked about the Kevin Durant saga. We talked about Kyler Murray not having a contract. That's how long it's been. So I think... That's really the first thing I want to dive into here. As we know, he has a $230.5 million deal over five years, making him the second highest paid quarterback in the league. And until a few days after the contract was initially signed and sealed and delivered, uh, he had a four-hour study clause in there. Um, Mike, just broad overview, what is uh, what is your thoughts on the whole contract coming out, um, what it is, and the whole mess and debacle with the study clause? I'm in the money. I'm in the money. I can't remember what movie that's from, but that was the first thing that I thought about when I saw that. Second highest uh, paid quarterback in the league. Uh, he's a transcendent player, well-deserved, uh, and now it's time to take the next steps. Uh, like I was talking to you guys about beforehand. Uh, I don't know if it's his camp or the Cardinals or some people kind of getting into his ear stating, hey, it's time to take the next step optics wise i guess you could say in showing that you're a leader so you know we had that video come out of a poor little kid fan who had his jersey stolen at training camp and kyler came out same day 
got the whole team, it looked like, to sign it and said, hey, buddy, you got one coming your way. Um, he's out of training camp being the last guy on the field signing autographs. And now in the first preseason game, he's calling plays in the fourth quarter. So step in the right direction. Obviously, there's been a lot of different type of things either than football that we were seeing for the first couple of weeks of training camp. And now that we finally got some game action, I'm really excited to see where this team is going uh, and all these new pieces that are coming into the fold. So good step, good direction. But the homework clause is a whole other situation, which we've dove into before. I just think it was foolish at the end of the day. And so did a lot of people. That's why they took it out. But for it to even have to get to that point is kind of mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, to, to put that in the contract, it's one thing, yeah, it's, I agree, it's one thing to talk about it behind the scenes, have that be a conversation, but to put it out there in a contract, and I think for me, have so many people probably look at that contract before it was signed by everybody from the owners, the the maybe not the coach, but I, I think I've said that before, but you know, just people, the agent, Kyler, his parents, his family, whoever his, you know, his group is, they probably looked at it. I mean, Cody, what did you make of it? Like, what was your perspective? Well, it was unnecessary, <laughs> I would say. That was just another off-season distraction that we did not need and another uh, hit to the relationship with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. But um, I, I, I didn't think it was such a big deal because obviously he knew it was in there and he signed it and they agreed to it, walked away, and somebody went public with it that was probably not in that inner circle and then just the media made it a big deal. So it really wasn't that big of a deal, I think. And then they pulled it out. They took it out of the contract a couple of days later because it was just creating such a big distraction. Um, but ultimately, I mean, he agreed. He saw it. He had no problem with it. He signed it. And then he came out and did that whole uh, impromptu um, interview or whatever. And where he was like mad at everybody about it. It was like, okay, well, you're mad at the wrong people because you should be mad at Michael Bidwell that put that in the contract because he was worried about that or someone was in his ear, you know, giving him that type of worry. So he's coming out, getting mad at everybody. Like if you think I, you know, don't have good work ethic or whatever, I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you. Well, you're mad at the wrong people, you know? So it was just an unnecessary distraction. I, I agree. And it was it was also not to derail the topic. I want to stay kind of on Kyler Murray, but it was one distraction after another when we also uh, since we last spoke here on, um, you know, shoot, what the fuck? The Heat Check podcast. That's what we're on. That's what we're on. That's what we're on. Holy shit. I'll probably cut that up, edit it. Anyway, um, we haven't talked about Hollywood Brown speeding and getting. So it was one distraction after the next where. And then Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson. We he was holding out. We didn't Kyler know for contract. sure the Kyler Murray contract. Exactly. All of this stuff. Um, DeAndre the, Hopkins. The DeAndre suspended. Hopkins suspension. Him coming out and saying that the coach that got domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. Again. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect example. It's and then just one after another. No. Nonstop. Nonstop. And so I kept saying. I told Mike a couple times that we just have to get these guys playing the games, get them out there, and put those distractions behind us. And so, like Mike is pointing out with the with the jersey story. And with these other leadership tidbits that are coming out, it's it's optics wise they're trying to rehab that and move past it, which is smart and 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 what you want to see from from your organization. But just to kind of rewind a little bit, I think that with Kyler Murray and the study clause, 
I they wouldn't put that in there if there wasn't a valid concern perceived by all these people and agreeing on it initially before it got leaked to the public. And it was on like page 36. But these what I was going to say is these questions and or concerns, if you will, were raised before he was drafted. And there's video clips out there of them saying like, yeah, his work ethic, his leadership is in question. And I mean, he can come out and say it's laughable. It's, um, you know, this or that. It's a, not a factor. But at the end of the day, like, I don't think those perceptions would be out there for no reason um is that fair or not uh, maybe not but it is maybe what it not is. i mean i just think about when he came in the league and like if you're a rookie and you get to play your first season with one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game like i would be if i was kyler murray i would have been following larry fitzgerald around like a puppy oh yeah you know but they didn't have ever have that relationship and i don't know i mean Kyler Murray's first problem looks like, in my opinion, he can't take constructive criticism. And I don't know what soured their relationship between Fitz and well, yeah, Murray, I mean, but... Perfect example. We saw with our own eyes in the when he shut down and refused to go back in the game. And you, you keep yeah. sharing that anecdote of Colt McCoy going up to him and saying, so hey, you should probably, you should go, probably in. go in. You, this is a good <laughs> go leadership finish, opportunity. This is going to make you... The optically, yeah. this is good. Trying to have his back. And Kyler Murray's being, no, I'm not going back in the game. Like... That Come was on, so dude. frustrating like, to watch. So he can't say it's he can't say it's not a factor and just ignore the things we've seen with our own eyes. It's like, are your eyes lying, Mike? Are are my eyes lying? No, I mean, but that's also the difference between you know a grizzled veteran like Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray. You know, Kyler or Colt McCoy had his own successes in college and was one of the best NCAA college football quarterbacks. You could probably say of all time when he was at Texas, Texas too, yeah. and he came into the league, you know, had high expectations, but it didn't pan out probably the way that he saw it. And he was able to adjust and become a leader and, you know, wanted to be around the game and has seen his fair share of trials and tribulations, which gave him the confidence to go up to Kyler Murray and say, hey, these are the times that you have to hold your head high, no matter how much your ass is getting kicked. But you got to be that, you know, shining light for your team. Whereas Kyler Murray is still in the successes of his career, right? You know, after that clause came out and he went to the press and basically had the laundry list of all the great things that he's done, and you know, I'm a Heisman winner high and the best undefeated the in high school, the greatest yeah. high school quarterback in, in uh, rookie of the year in Texas football, high school football history. Two-time you know, he's, pro bowler. he's still right in the thick of his successes. So once you start to go through your own trials and tribulations, it takes some time for guys to really adjust. And it's exactly like Cody, you're saying is what we're seeing. You know, he's been really unwilling to take constructive criticism and it's not because people think that he's bad or he's you know a bad seed or anything like that it's just people who are part of your organization and franchise who want you to be successful because your success takes you to the next step and you got to have those people in your corner to help you go in the right direction so you know i still think the whole homework addendum thing was an optics play and exactly like you said, Chris, it's not like any of them were in the dark about it. His team, his agents, Kyler Murray himself had to know that it was in it. It's a generality when it comes to being a professional. You have to spend time studying film. You know, it takes you to that next level. It's very important. 
Um, but I understand him coming out and sticking to his guns because it's more of an optics play. I don't think he was trying to drown out the Cardinals franchise itself saying that you guys were idiots. He was just sticking up for himself at that point, I feel like, and stating, yeah. hey, I wouldn't be this guy who just got this huge contract if I didn't do all of these great things in my football career. Yeah. Yeah, great, exactly, and thank you, because to that point, like him laying out his resume, and like you mentioned, him not being willing to take criticism, I think he needs to understand the NFL is very much a what-have-you-done-lately kind of league. You see so many of these players, I think that if you take all the NFL players that go through, what's the average... um, career range it's like probably three to five years yeah yeah it's got to be three to five like min like minimum yeah no you're not going to see all these people playing 10 to 15 20 years and especially like you know tom brady's are once every hundred year type of players like you're not going to see that so he needs to change i think he's it's an it's got to be a maturity thing um he's growing up and Cody, I just wanted to kick this over to you real quick as I was thinking about it, to piggybacking off that. He is the second highest paid quarterback in the league. Is he the second best quarterback in the league? No. <laughs> but the Cardinals had to do it, right? Well, you had to. You didn't have a choice. And that's what he, sucks. He wasn't going to play this year for $5 million. Everybody knew that. Hell no. So you still had to pay him anyway, and he's just going to sit out. So it's it was, it was either you have to trade him and try to find another quarterback so they they didn't have a choice yeah. they had to pay him i mean so. we we all all three of us sat here on this podcast and basically said that is like we knew the longer they waited the more they'd when, have to pay when the all caps because, letter came out yeah, yeah from the agent the, the next players the next highest paid quarterback is always going to get paid more than the next highest yeah, paid quarterback yeah. and yes kyler murray is the best quarterback we've seen in probably the most at least the most athletic it's probably the best quarterback they've ever drafted that's for sure. And Mike, didn't you say what? How long has it been since they re-signed uh, or did that kind of extension for a quarter, for a player they drafted? First round player for a player that they drafted in I the mean, first it round. Might have been oh, in the first round. First round. I don't know if it's ever been. I mean, you have to think about where this franchise has been since it's come to Arizona in 1988. You know, we didn't get our first playoff uh, appearance until I think 1998 with Jake Plummer where they beat the Dallas Cowboys in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, it's been a carousel of quarterbacks. And even the one quarterback that you could say that we really, really had great success with, Kurt Warner, was a guy who was brought in to be a backup. He was never supposed to be the answer. It was no. always supposed to be Matt Liner. Liner yeah. Yep. And the same thing with Carson Palmer when he came in in you know, 2013-14 time frame. Um, you know, he was a free agent signee. You didn't really know what you had left. It was just a perfect fit. Wait, they traded for Palmer, right? Yeah, I think they traded they to the Raiders, the Raiders, right? Again. Yeah, yeah. The Raiders, they got the Raiders. <laughs> just oh, the how they Raiders, got yeah. Hudson. But, you know, that was just a perfect time, perfect place, you know, within Bruce Arians' um, you know, system and Todd Bowles as your defensive coordinator. But these are guys who were brought in off the street who had already been in the NFL for multiple years. This is the first time that the Cardinals have really drafted a, you know, consensus. If you want to fight me about this, go ahead. But top five quarterback in the league that we could probably see for the next 10 years. So that's a asset that you have to pay. You can't, you can't, uh, pussyfoot around with it i guess to say a lack of better term yeah it was never going to be an option of how do we cut corners with kyler murray it was just going to be how do we 
get on the same page and find a way to have a really cohesive relationship and start taking this team to the next level by locking him up long term and start bringing in weapons to really utilize his prowess and start building this team for the future like bringing in Hollywood Brown like bringing in guys like James Conner so that was it it was only a matter of time and I'm really happy that it's going this way obviously it's been kind of a tough transition <laughs> with some things but uh-huh. I do like what's been happening the past couple of weeks and I'll stand by that I'm really proud of you know the portrayal that Kyler Murray is starting to put out to the media by himself yeah you know at the end of the day we don't get to know what's really going on on the back end is the relationship really mending the proper way and whatnot but it seems like he's taking the right steps and showing us as fans and people who follow the nfl that he's invested and he's going to be an arizona cardinal so and a, and a cardinal for a long time so i'm, I'm all about it Definitely. It, to, to lock up a quarterback, I think Cliff, did Cliff also get an extension? Him he, and Kime did. Him and Kime did. So, yeah, we got the whole the whole core, if you will. And you really got to build around Kyler then. And him and Cliff have to be in lockstep to be able to get the offense to where it needs to be and putting this this future forward with the next five years with, with Kyler Murray at the helm. Um, I, I like what you were talking about there kind of with Kyler Murray rebuilding optically or so uh, kind of his image. Because he did, I mentioned that in an interview, I forget who it was with or, or when it was, but it was after the contract came out. He said that he, he kind of hated that he was the bad guy and that he had to kind of do a lot of this stuff at the at the um, direction of his agent. And the all caps letter, for example, and different things like that. Um, he just, he, he felt like he was painted to be a bad guy when he never wanted that. Like, obviously he wanted his money, but he was going to let his agent do the negotiating. So... Uh, Kyler, that's that's one thing though that I think does kind of speak to his leadership. Um, I want to maybe ask you, Cody, if, if this is fair, but his his non-assertiveness in that kind of situation and maybe kind of being more passive, not going in games, is that is that what you want in a leader? Someone who's not going to be assertive, is or is that too unfair in, when it comes to like a contract negotiation? Well, it's I don't know, hard to compare that with you know the play on the field. Um, I think it's fair, though. Is that what you want in a leader? Of course not. No. I mean, he needs to be the loudest person in every single room he walks into, you know? So I I, I think it's fair. I, I, don't, I don't think it's holding him to unrealistic expectations whatsoever. If he wants to be the man, then he's got to step up and be the man, you know? And that might involve him having a lot of tough conversations and him talking to players that are older than him or have more experience than him in the league and he's just got to walk in and he's got to know that he's great but he can't be great unless everyone around him is great it's like going into a huddle you hear all these like small time players when they go in a huddle with tom brady well he expects so much out of you and you don't want to let down the goat right so then that brings you to a higher level than you were before because you're you're playing with one of the greatest people to ever play the game and he has very high expectations of you and you don't want to get chewed out by him, you know? So granted, yeah. maybe Kyler's got a couple more years to where he can get to that point where, you know, he's a veteran and the majority of the players he's playing with are younger than him. That'll be different, but it's, it's about coming in and expecting greatness immediately, regardless of how old you are. So, but uh, what I saw, yeah, um, well, yeah, show it. what were you it was, at? uh, 
the last time the Cardinals gave a contract extension to a quarterback they drafted was who? Jake Plummer? Correct, and they drafted him in 1997. Damn. So that was the, the thing that we were... Um, was that specific to quarterbacks or all players? Specific to quarterbacks. Okay, yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I think... That was, that was 25 years ago. Yeah, well, did you say 97? 97 was when he so was drafted. I was, I was four years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. Three or four years old. Um, but no, so I just mean like... I think you you nailed it. I, I agree with everything you said, and I don't mean assertive. Like I don't. I want to see Kyler be assertive, but I don't. I don't mean I want to see him be a dick or be mean or be barking at people. He doesn't have to do that, but just be confident and be direct. Speak up. You know, it, when me and Mike are out there playing basketball, we got we talk a lot, and it, that's one thing when we were coaching. Also, as we tried to get through to these players, is like you have to fucking communicate. Um, and I imagine that's the same for football, especially when you're in a loud ass stadium and I know he can yell out plays and he can yell out audibles on the line. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, like you said, going up to the sideline and going up to a veteran and saying like, Hey, you fucked up that play or Hey, good fucking play. Like, you know, you got to hype up your guys and you got to correct them. It's both sides when it comes to leadership. It's not just barking at your guys all the time. It's also hyping them up. JJ Watt is a great example of that. He brings so much energy to the whole team. Not, not just the defense. Well, that's probably why they signed him <laughs> right hell yeah he's probably gonna play like 30 percent of the snaps man and that's like that's the intangible stuff right because we talk about that in a lot of different sports like bringing in chris paul at mm-hmm. the point guard yeah he's he's kind of an old old ass point guard but he also brings so much more to the locker room he's like a player coach he's jackie moon out there yeah. you know give me the ball give me the he's ball he's like jackie he can moon. do whatever he wants. like booker booker no like booker will not i've never seen him yield to a player like, like he only yields to chris paul if, if chris paul's not on the court booker's in command and he He'll, what about if Kevin Durant? He'll go a four on one. He'll yield to Kevin Durant too. I think he yeah, will. That would be interesting. I still feel like Chris Paul would be the alpha in that room. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, prob- probably. Yeah, in the room of them three, yeah, they're like all three on the court. I think yeah. yeah, Chris Paul would still run it. Um, and he's the point god, man. He is. But just we can. Has that always been his name? Uh since the I don't know. I I only heard that when he was on the Suns. No, it probably started a little bit more anyway, towards um, to the middle, <laughs> the middle or the end of his time frame with the Clippers. But Chris, you're exactly right. Like leaders, not only do you have to bring positive affirmations to your teammates, but you also have to hold people accountable. And that also goes back to what Cody was talking about earlier today. It's such a detriment that Kyler Murray didn't take advantage of the time that he had with Larry Fitzgerald because Larry Fitzgerald throughout his entire time in the league has always been regarded as a consummate professional and one of the people that you really should model yourself after to be the best type of professional, right? So Larry has... And talk about a guy who went through plenty of his own trials and tribulations in his own career with the amount of quarterbacks that he had to play with, with playing for a franchise where at the end of the day, you, you could pull up his career records. There's no chance he has a winning record in his time in the NFL. But all he did was grind, keep his head down, studied his craft. And learned from the greats around himself, too. I mean, he yeah. grew up as a ball boy for the Minnesota Vikings and was around Randy Moss and Chris Carter and soaked up all that information from them while he was growing up, going to Pitt and becoming an incredible professional on his own. And listening to Prince. <laughs> Probably. Dip, dip it in the waters of Lake <laughs> Minnetonka, you know? You guys stole Larry Fitzgerald's only Super Bowl. So, it's, I'm sorry about it's, it. 
we can go back and be disappointed about that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we have to start looking forward. And like I said, I will double down. I'm, I'm excited and it's still so fresh, but I'm really excited and happy to see where he's moving towards and pushing the needle more into a positive light. And we'll see if it translates on the field this year. We have a lot of uphill battles to go through we for have a sure. Tough schedule. A ton of adversity. Really tough schedule. Doesn't it feel good though to finally be a Cardinals fan going into season, watching ESPN and they're calling the Cardinals a playoff team? They didn't do that last year. We didn't really have high expectations, but we started seven and zero. Are we gonna surprised some- everybody? Went ten and two at one point. So we might get some love on the national level. I mean, we got hard the hard knocks in season. Yeah, that's, that's going to be going on. What's that's in November? I think it starts or it, it airs or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to say though, um, going back to his uh, homework clause. Yeah. So we're talking about him being a leader, and he's, and the ownership and maybe higher management felt that that was necessary. So say say I'm your boss at a job and you hear that my contract has to be, I have to sit down and actually do work without distractions such as TV and video games. Because it specifically said video games. But it was, to be fair to Kyler... So how does it, that make you feel as somebody that's going to follow this person? In it the did. contract, did it specifically say video games? It sure did, yeah. Wow. Well, because, and that's another thing. It's not because it's not you You have to sit down and do four hours of work. It's like you have to do four hours of work when you're at home. Yeah, so I was just. Not, not on the clock. No, I get you. Like, try to, yeah, a real life comparison in a sense, but. Yeah. But like. It, it is asking him, at a sense, when you're getting paid. did have his back, though. When you're getting paid $230 million over five years, like, it's the least you can do is study four Dude, hours a week. Make at it home. fucking 10 hours yeah, a it's week. Bare minimum. Who cares, man? <laughs> and, and I mean, and that's like, but uh, to, I, that's a great point, Cody, and I agree, like, but logistically, to even put that in a contract, how are you going to enforce that? To have that be like where you could in, be like, oh, the in the second year, we don't like how you're performing, so we're just going to arbitrarily say that you're not compete, keeping up with this amendment in the contract and just void the whole thing. Like, that's bullshit. Like, it just, it just logistically, what do you, like Mike was saying, like they have for these college students that were doing these uh, online tests, they had a... a program where you had to have a webcam pointed at you and if you looked in one direction for too long or if someone else was in the frame or if you had anything in the background it would like automatically fail you like are they going to set kyler up on that where if he picks up a playstation controller it's gonna be like oh you you automatically fail motherfucker like i mean picks up a playstation controller that's the last thing i mean that's where i want to end like the last thing i want to get in on on the kyler murray contract and just all my feelings on kyler murray specifically in general uh, we talked a bit about this before the show. Um, I've been heavily critic. I've been a heavy critic of his video game playing. And on our live streams, I've pointed out um, how in the Washington Post they brought up how every year when Call of Duty comes out, his numbers dip, his fantasy numbers dip, his on the field number production dips. Uh, he's a big Warzone guy. I think that game's been out for like two, going on three years now. Um, it's been out in every new iteration that comes out every year, but regardless, it's new guns, new skins, all this new fun stuff that all these people love to get. Um, one tidbit of credit I'll give him, and I'm, I do this with a heavy grain of salt. We, we checked before on his Twitch channel. He has not streamed in one month. So maybe, maybe in, as part of these contract negotiations, maybe something they didn't put in the contract is that he isn't allowed to stream on Twitch during the season. Because I think that's just, for me, that was something big optically when after, and that was written about in ESPN, I think, where after the DeAndre Hopkins, the um, the Hale Murray play, 
within a couple hours of that, he was at home playing Warzone on Twitch. And and the reason I and I'm just gonna say the reason I put a grain of salt with it is because just because he's not streaming doesn't mean he's not playing. You know damn well he's still playing. Oh, he's totally playing without a doubt. Um, so again, I just I wanted to give Kyler a little bit of credit for not streaming, maybe understanding the optics a bit more. And I do hope last last closing thought. I hope he's taking it serious. We do have an up up uphill battle this year coming up, and um, he's got to be ready to to battle. And I think if he really st- starts taking these chef stores ma- maturity and understanding, like I just got paid a shit ton of money, it's time for me to give it back to the Cardinals, give it back to the Valley, and own and live up to that. Um, cause if he's such a pouty baby, he's not going to like the headlines if he sucks ass. And then, um, well, they should have kept then, that clause then, in there. <laughs> yeah. So excuse all my swearing, but, uh, I just get passionate about these topics and, um, oh, Mike, I'll kick it it's, to you for, for your happen. last thoughts on it. Yeah. Without a doubt. We're definitely in a different era for athletes, right? The, with everything that's changed in the NCAA with athletes being able to sign NIL deals, there's always different you know sectors that athletes are diving into to kind of diversify their brand and bring in their own kind of money so kyler being signed with phase clan which is a gaming organization is obviously going to bring a face that he's going to be a video game guy right wait yeah. he's actually signed to that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Official. yeah official him and Was bronny he... james and they they've oh, definitely bronny started too? to expand oh, uh into the athlete realm a little bit more but you know that's good, right? It has, it's been a month since he hasn't streamed. What started about a month ago? Training camp started about a month ago, so that means that he's focused in on football and getting prepared for this next season. Uh, it's the other thing you have to think about for Kyler Murray as well. Is he strikes me as a guy who wants to be a fan favorite. He wants to be liked. He wants to be adored. He wants people to know him as a household name. And in the state of Arizona, right now, there is one man who is above everybody else. And that is Devin Booker because of him taking the Suns to the finals a couple of years ago, being a three-time All-Star now, being in the MVP conversation, and now being on the cover of NBA 2K. There's a lot of those kind of things that can propel you over other athletes, whereas football is still king in the United States of America. But... The Suns will always have um, a little bit more of sentimental value to the Valley because they were the first professional team to come to Arizona. So maybe that's another thing where he's seeing is like, well, okay, now we've gotten all the behind the scenes work straightened away. Now it's really time to show the work that I'm putting in and start getting some more accolades. Because right now all he has on his list is um, you can shake your head at Pro Bowl because what is that to anybody yeah. nowadays but also nfl rookie of the year but that's to, that's all we got to show for it all you, the only other thing you have is meltdowns at the end of seasons and an absolute no show for the first time going to the playoffs since 2015 so he has a lot of ground on his own to make up to gain a little bit more favor from the fan support in the valley to get on the same level as Devin Booker. And I can see him going there, but that comes with success on the field. So that's the next step. 
I 100% agree. You got to see you got to see the success on the field to be able to translate to get on the level of the fans where they feel invested. Like with Devin Booker, he took us to the playoffs. He got us there. Mike, you you're right, man. Um but I want to I want to shift a w- little bit away from Kyler Murray and this whole conversation on his contract. It is what it is. And we got this whole training camp ahead of us. We got the preseason, two more games left. I, I jotted it down here. We got the Ravens and the Titans left in preseason. Um, just a quick um, overview of this game on Friday. Uh, did did either of you guys, Cody, did you check that out? I I caught like 10 minutes of it. <laughs> just a little bit, Mike. <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah, just a couple of quick glimpses. Um, not too much of it, though. Not me. Same. I didn't actually watch a lick of it, to be perfectly honest. But what we all did is we dissected the box score. And I know the box score doesn't always tell the whole story. um, So forgive us for that. But I just wanted to point out some highlights and then maybe we can kind of stream off of there for some other topics. Specifically, um, just right off the top, I I know this is getting kind of ahead of my skis here, but specifically Andy Isabella. This is a guy we've talked about on the Heat Check podcast live, how I he's someone that I bought into early and really believed in, thought that he would be um, a, a contributor and, a, and an X factor, if you will. Whereas he's really in this first, I think it's his fourth season coming up. So in his first thir- three seasons, he hasn't, uh, you know, really shown or been given the opportunity to show show too much but it looked like he was tied for the most receptions in this game just four receptions but he had 57 yards uh next to greg dorch the dorcher chamber another guy i'm excited to see um these are two guys that we're probably going to see more of with deandre hopkins being out but just to just to kick it to you cody um what what are you i know i see you looking at the box score there what are some of the highlights that stand out to you or um what are you thinking on that well what what stands out to me is that uh Andy Isabella's longest reception was 36 yards, so that's something we're gonna we're gonna want to see, and because obviously he's got that speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, looking at the box score and seeing Andy Isabella and thinking that it should read DK Metcalf instead, um, but <laughs> that's a whole another uh, whole another discussion. Um, and how just underwhelming his his career has been in the Valley, but it's it's promising i don't know i mean again it's preseason you can't really read too much into it um but uh i i liked seeing that that was good um looking a little bit at eno coming in five carries 14 yards there's a lot of hype on him uh being the number two running back uh kind of kind of bad to see he averaged 2.8 yards a carry but that's tough sledding <laughs> yes it is but uh seeing uh it was a jonathan ward Coming in with the two touchdowns, uh, not too much. He averaged actually worse than Eno, uh, but seeing him get involved, probably being someone that they're going to end up keeping, that running back room is going to be very crowded, um, I think. There's a possibility they could keep four or five as long as those, uh, yeah. as long as long that fourth and fifth guy can contribute pretty well in special teams. It sounds like a good problem to have. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, I think the biggest highlight from this game is uh, what we mentioned earlier with Kyler Murray um calling plays in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and just kind of how we're going to spin spin off that and the meaning of it and why they did that um i think that's probably the biggest highlight from that game but uh yeah i don't know it was very interesting i did read an article um or most of an article about it where uh cliff said and, and this is a quote he said he does a good job with it i've been impressed 
So he initially, I think the reports were something along the lines of he wanted to show him that this shit ain't easy, that, you know, calling the plays is not as easy as he might think it is, you know, kind of, you know, a tongue in cheek kind of. I'm going to let him run it. But in, in reading the article, it wasn't Kyler Murray making the official final say. He was part of a team of two or three coaches making the play calls. Um, it was I don't remember the offensive coach's name, but it was another offensive coach with Kyler uh, making these plays. And I remember specifically towards the end of the game, I think it was like uh, they referenced like a fourth down play where he would have gone for it, but they opted to punt it. Uh, as a collective but in any case Kyler getting a taste of that I again I don't know if this goes back to what Mike was saying earlier about uh, the optics of Kyler and really trying to put him out there as this leader and um, you know uh, whatever you want to call it public guy and it's just it's it's interesting I, I do like that aspect but going back to the the just specifically this first preseason game we did get to see Trace McSorley, who I think will be the third-string quarterback. It seems like they're almost trying yeah. to groom him to take Colt McCoy's position as the second-string guy. Um, just b- b- real quick stat line, 13-22, uh, 163 yards passing, one touchdown, four rushes for 32 yards, so 195 total yards. Um, Mike, do you think it's smart to keep three quarterbacks uh, for the Cardinals? I think it's smart to keep three quarterbacks for any team. You never know what's really going to happen in the course of one weekend (laughs) in the NFL. There's so many different freak accidents that might happen or crazy injuries that you can't account for. So having three quarterbacks on your roster is always just, you know, something that you need to have in your back pocket in, in case of an emergency. Now, Trace McSorley, does he really see any time? I don't think so. Uh, Obviously we saw Colt McCoy was a serviceable backup for us last year when he came on, came in after Kyler Murray got hurt and got some wins for us and kept that momentum going until Kyler came back. But, you know, the, the kid has some good grace with Cliff Kingsbury. So, you know, keep him around, see what you can get out of him because Colt McCoy is 35 years old. So he's no spring chicken on his own. You got to start really bringing in some guys into the fold who are going to be your next up uh, in case of emergency. So I'm okay with it. Uh, unfortunately, I think we've seen some, uh, really bad red zone, like deep in the red zone interceptions, uh, for, (laughs) for touchdowns the past couple of weeks at training camp, but that's what training camp is for, right? It's about, you know, working out the system, finding your footing and making those kind of mistakes during practice, not in the game. So who threw an interception? Trace McSorley, he threw a oh, really he, <laughs> when you guys are out there. Well, yeah, he threw a really bad whites. duck straight to Byron Murphy at the red and white. Yeah, at the red yeah. and white, and then I'm pretty sure the next uh, week he threw another one. I don't know if it was to Marco Wilson or not, but that's that's what it's for, right? You work the kinks out during it, practice, and then you come out, and uh, you know you show up for the time when you're on the field, and for the preseason, this is for the guys to showcase who are going to be your backups on the team, and I think he took full advantage of it. At least it's not Chris Strebler. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's it, Again, it's like kind of similar with the running back situation. It's better to Canada be spoiled for choice. Um, I, I, was, I was a little bummed. I, I understand why we don't really need to see Colt McCoy. We know what we got in him. But the other guy, the the fourth stringer, Garantano, uh, that was the guy who was playing when Kyler Murray was calling the plays. And he honestly, he held up. He was 7 for 10, uh, 54 yards passing, one touchdown himself. Uh, he took one sack for a 10-yard loss, but, oh, excuse me, otherwise pretty good. 
So, I mean, you can't, I never want to read too much into a preseason game. I hate, I don't want to, you know, get caught up in dissecting this. Just how much to maybe throw it, throw it over to you guys. How much do you think we're going to see in the next two games coming up? Because they cut the preseason down to just three games, Cody. Um, we got Ravens and Titans. Do you think Kyler's going to play or or Colt's going to play? Or do you think that we're going to kind of continue to, to see Trace and, and this other guy? I think we're going to continue to see the two young guys. Um, there's no reason for Colt to play. I mean, Kyler, I, I should he play? Yeah, maybe he should play a series or maybe two. Maybe a drive or yeah, a quarter. In, yeah, in the, last, in the last game. But other than that, it's I don't think there's really a need for him to play. But definitely not going to see Cole. Well, okay. I don't think so, we'll see Cole. So aside from that, then what do, what do you what do you do you hope to see anything in the next two weeks, or do you think the preseason isn't, is just entirely pointless? Well, it's pointless for who you're going to run out there week one, but it's not pointless for those those third the third stringer, four stringer guys that are going to fill in your special team. So it's got purpose to it. And then of course, from a business standpoint, they're making, they're making money off it. So yeah. it's never going to go away. Um, but when it comes to them being, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they have to go play a full preseason game to be football ready week one, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're spending two, three months, you know, practicing and going over their game schemes and stuff to be prepared week one. I don't think they need to go out there and take all those unnecessary hits, but um, I, I that's do fair. think, that's fair. That's I do fair. think Murray's going to play though. I bet you he plays one series or two or, but even then that's pointless for them to play four snaps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you, but what I'm wondering like, and maybe Mike, you can help me answer this is, uh, what I'm trying to say is, what are you wanting to see? Uh, do you want to see Greg Dorch getting more receptions? Do you want to see Andy Isabella continuing to get these grabs, getting those 30, what you say, 36-yard receptions? Um, I get what you're saying about the unnecessary hits, and maybe the preseason is a lot unnecessary. Um, when we were at the red and white practice, it very much looked like a walkthrough. It was two-hand touch. Um, I don't think they're – I mean, I understand why they're not getting a lot of contact, and I can't knock them, but it's like, then why do we even do this? Like, let's just have them practice, and then let's go into the regular season. We got Chiefs week one. We got a very serious, tough schedule to start the season with. Why do we need these these kind of games? So, Mike, is there anything you're looking to see, or what is your kind of perspective on these last two preseason games? You guys bring up so many great points that I wanted to touch on within this. Obviously, the league has changed from from their transition to 17 regular season games and cutting down to three because themselves, they understand that the preseason is kind of a mute point or a moot point, whatever the phrase is, whatever yeah, you yeah, want yeah, to I say. Got you. <laughs> it's really built for, you know, who's going to be your special teamers? Who are those guys who are going to, you know, hopefully get you over the hump from your main guys that you know are going to be able to produce on your field, on the field, your James Connors, your Marquise Browns, your Kyler Murrays. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really he take his driver's license. Away. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> hoping a- to see what we can, uh, you know, get out of Andy Isabella. This is his perfect time to step up, and you know, continue to make a contribution because I hope he can still be in this wide receiver room and in these first six weeks, if we have some more weapons to go along with Hollywood Brown, who's still getting over his hamstring injury, who I I hope we don't see in uh, the regular season, to be honest with you. More reps for those guys is perfect. Uh, What we talked about too is, is the preseason necessary? For your main guys, they're staying in shape year round. You know, professional sports is all about 
being ready for your opportunity when you get it. And a lot of guys are staying in shape and ready to go when the iron strikes hot there. Obviously, it's going to take a couple of times getting hit. You know, Kyler Murray oh, stepping yeah. back and getting sacked and getting yep. knocked around a little bit before, you know, you're really in it and you know it's it's go time. But a lot of preseason football and from what we can see from training camp, you know, your guys in the trenches are working on, on their one-on-one matchups and, you know, already hitting each other. So when it comes down to the game time, they're ready to go. It's more your skill position guys who, you know, probably aren't getting – the true contact that they might need but i can see it happening in the first two weeks and you're ready to go from then so i don't need to see kyler murray in the preseason i don't need to see no, james no, connor i think so you know i don't, definitely not connor I, I i don't need to see our main quarterback actually i'd probably like to see our cornerbacks on the field making sure that they're getting proper work because that's one of the question marks that the cardinals have right now but this is all just about filling in your team and seeing who's going to be those last, you know, 10 pieces to fill out your 53 man roster. So they're doing it the right way. They're just, you know, holding down the fort until the Kansas City Chiefs uh, come in. It's at home, right? That first game? Or yeah, is it in yes. Kansas City? Oh, I just had I it think pulled it up. Is. I think it is, yeah. No, Mike, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. You want to see, you want to get these skill position guys their looks. You want to get a look at what they're going to be like. And that's why I, I'm kind of personally excited about Isabella. I think you bring up it's a great point. Like, um, it is at home. Okay, so yeah. Chiefs at home week one. That, and that's great. I think that, that gives us a fighting chance. And that would be a statement win. If we open the season down DeAndre Hopkins, I was, gonna th- I was just thinking while you were speaking there, DeAndre Hopkins could technically play in the preseason games, right? Or is it just that he's allowed to be in practice? He's allowed to practice, yeah. He just, but can he play in the preseason? Game? I think so. But I think he, he can play in preseason. I mean, he games, doesn't right? even practice, so I don't think he's going to play in the preseason. Um, well, he, do, he does practice, doesn't he? Well, yeah, but he um, he always gets that veteran day off on Wednesdays, and well, of course, I mean, he showed up day one. He was he was in great shape, but um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm I am um excited to see what the final 53 man roster is going to look like. I think we're going to have three QBs, like you said, Cody. I think we're going to have a lot of running backs. Uh, we're gonna have to be deep at wide receiver to start, um, and but that's gonna keep in mind that's gonna stretch other positions thin as you as you over overload the offensive side of the ball. Uh, maybe we lose some depth at corner. Maybe we lose some depth at other places on the roster. Um, I'm saying that without any glance at the roster or really thought at all, but just thinking, like you said, stacked running back, stacked wide receiver, three quarterbacks. That's just those three positions alone. That's that's a lot of players. That's a good amount, yeah. Yeah, because when you first asked me, I guess I had too much of a, a general view on the preseason being so negative about it. Um, but you, because you were being specific, like what do you actually, what players do you want to see, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, maybe yeah. like, yeah, what players uh, do you want to see? What position? See them? How do you want to see them the progress? Yeah. And, yeah. So one person that does come to mind, um, Mike did say uh, the corners where, what do you want to see in the next two games? You want to see Marco Wilson out there who is potentially going to be our number two corner or they, they want to keep Murphy as, as the nickel. So he might be your top corner on the outside. So it's, that's who you're going to want to see. But the biggest question mark I think is, um, cause we always forget that we wasted our, well, not this one because they traded their first round pick, but we, the two, two drafts before this previous one, they're taking linebackers with the first in the first round. Yeah. So we know, um, 
we know Simmons is going to supposed to be that Swiss Army knife, whatever. He's going to play. What they call him? They call him a star backer. Star backer. Star yeah, backer. That's the or, weird bullshit. Yeah, that he's going to be out. a safety. He's going to be rushing the passer. He's going to be playing in the inside. So it's so we know what his job is. But what about Zayvon Collins? So he's supposed to be. He's what I want to see him do is get the sticker on his helmet, start calling some plays, and potentially work towards being the leader on that defense. Because what else is he supposed to do, you know? And then they literally put, they wasted that. Okay, let me jump back. I digress. They did not waste the pick on him because maybe we haven't seen his full potential yet. But that's who really needs to get reps in the next two games. That's who really needs to get his wheels kind of spin in there and get ready for that week one because um, who's going to call the plays on defense? You know, they they were trying to... um, they were trying to have what was it? Is it Jalen Thompson, the the free safety? Have him call the plays. Well, I'm seeing that right here on car- on Cards Wire actually from July 28th. Uh, Jalen Thompson, not Zayvon Collins, expected to make defensive play calls. Yeah, so that's that's it's uh, not a good look when you're when your safety's calling plays from way like back linebacker there in a loud can't. stadium. You don't want that because then he's gonna have to run up to the line, tell him what to call, and then run all the way back yeah. to so maybe fall I, back. I mean, it's not. It's not normal to see the safety call plays. Obviously, it's always the Mike Backer doing. Yeah, that. I think who who was it again? They were calling the star backer. Well, that was um, Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but with Zayvon Collins, it was either him or Simmons. One of them was saying that they're not. And I think it was Zayvon Collins that they don't feel the pressure. Like obviously, there's a lot of pressure on them as a high draft pick to produce and perform, but they don't feel the pressure. So hopefully, he he can go out there. And, I, and I'm glad you I'm glad you elaborated on that. Um, Mike, you look like you might. I've had something to say on this. The only thing I can say is, okay, you might not have pressure, but when does the pressure start to kick in? Are we supposed to give all of these first round draft picks three to four years to try and figure it out? Right. You know, there's a reason that Zayvon Collins only played in like half the games last year. And it's probably not just because he wasn't athletic enough or ready at the NFL level, but was it also because he didn't have the playbook? Uh, studied enough can you trust him calling those kind of plays those are the kind of things if you're a first round pick man you got to figure that kind of stuff out early especially when you're given an opportunity in your second year to be one of those starting core uh, middle linebackers and they have to transition to the safety calling the plays that's kind of crazy man and obviously we've talked about this in the past before Drafts are such a crapshoot, but there's a reason that the Cardinals drafted him because they had trust in him. So at what point do you have to pass the keys over and say, hey, okay, drive the bus and get us there? I, I think this is the point for both of those specific it's both of those guys specifically, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, where we're almost out of time. You know? Marcus Golden is on his second stint with the Cardinals. He was here and gone and back now again, you know. He's an edge rusher now, especially that Chandler Jones is gone. Who else are you filling in? Is it Vallejo? Is it, you know, other guys that are continuously getting torched, it seems like, on Twitter every other day that I'm seeing? Like, the foundational pieces for a great defense are always your linebackers, and it's time for them to step up. That's really all I can say about that. I'm over here shaking my head that Jalen Thompson has to be calling plays. That's ridiculous, Mm -hmm. man. It is. Uh, it's uh, Zach Allen's the other guy that we need to see 
see a big year out of yeah yeah because you know like we said earlier jj watt's only going to play like 30 percent of the plays i want him to stay healthy because we're going to need him for the if we're going to make a playoff push if we're serious about being a super bowl contender we need guys like jj watt to be healthy we need every we need all of our core players and it's it's known it's known it's just that you can write it in every season a team's going to get injuries guys are going to go out but you and, and it's always every team says it next man up next man up um, it, I don't know. Looking at our depth at a lot of these positions, I don't know how mu- how much confidence I have in that next man up mentality. So if it if it takes uh, monitoring his reps, monitoring his um, I don't I'm I'm trying to put that because I know I'm thinking about this from a basketball mindset, but like maybe yeah, like keeping him out of drives, you know, monitoring how many snaps he's taking the snap count. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. I I don't th- I don't know if they that's what they call it on defense, but either way. On the last thing I'll say is defense, offense. I want to see a healthy squad ready to perform at the end of the season. So I don't really put too much stock in this preseason. I don't want to see Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, JJ Watt. They can all just chill and then come ready to play week one against the Chiefs. Um, and to piggyback off of that, um, I think I don't think we're going to have another heat check podcast until after the first week of the Cardinal season. Um, Valley Sports Plug, we have a fantasy football draft coming up. We've been doing this league for going on a decade. People have come and gone, but uh, Michael Benjamin is with us. We have a trophy. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're looking at how we might be able to live stream some of that content. Um, like I said, we're on YouTube at, with Valley Sports Plug on all that those other social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram at Arizona, or I'm sorry, at AZ underscore VSP. Mike got I had to make sure I get that right. And uh, Facebook.com slash Valley Sports Plug are the main places you can find us right now. But within that, um, like I like I'm doing this hard transition here, with with following these other um, social media platforms we have and where wherever you might be listening to us now, whether it's Spotify or YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, we also have Past the Outlet. Me and Mike uh, Benjamin just started this up. We are gonna be talking about all things basketball related. We have NBA, college youth sports are we started our first episode just this week michael was talking about his sports or his basketball journey his sports journey in general and just um his love for the game and everything so on episode two coming up uh we're going to be diving into my journey and then from there we're hoping to have some guests on and uh just have a good time with it mike did you just real quick want to say anything about past the outlet or anything we got in the works no it's definitely a fun first episode that will probably be primarily in a streaming format, uh, live stream, because uh, we have some cool segments that we want to, you know, keep incorporated, like Reddit Reacts, uh, the Outlet P- uh, Point Guard, and uh, probably another thing that will kind of got in the mix going forward. But it'll be a great outlet to have, you know, some people who really love basketball on and talk about their experiences and journeys. And I hope you guys join us. Most definitely. So really excited about everything we got in the works. Again, that's past the outlet. Me and Mike are going to be talking a ton about basketball. We're still, of course, bringing you the Heat Check podcast once a month guaranteed in this audio only uh, forum where me, Tom and VSP and Michael Benjamin sit down and we talk about everything Valley Sports Plug, just real broad overview and and, and kind of break it all down. Um, But within that, also, like Mike was saying, we have the Valley Sports Plug heat check podcast live that we do um almost we almost once a week i think we've been pretty consistent with trying to get one out to you guys um and usually that'll consist of me and michael benjamin um doing a live stream on youtube 
uh, Tallman VSP will join us when he's feeling it. I, we're I, maybe comment, maybe comment wherever you're watching this, or, or reach out to us on social media. Should should he go by VSP Tallman or Tallman VSP? I thought it was VSP Tallman. VSP Tallman. I, I I think I messed it up twice now. Well, it's 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 whatever you'd like. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's whatever oh, you'd man. like. It's your it's fucking your name, technically. Dude. It's just Tallman. It's your moniker. But... It's just Tallman. I just felt like introducing him and as then, just maybe just maybe that's what I'll do. Just Tallman. Maybe I'll say just Tallman. Yeah, but I mean, just bring him back. The or Justin it's Tallman VSP or VSP Tallman. Just or, no, like, you kind of no. Let's <laughs> hash oh, this man. out now. You got to pick it now. Yeah, it has to be decided. Is it going to be just Tallman? Is it going to be VSP Tallman? Or is it going to be Tallman VSP? VSP Tallman. Bam. VSP Tallman. Yeah. All right, it's done. All right, don't comment then. I don't want to see your comments. <laughs> All right, anyway, enough of the plugs. Back to the Valley Sports. Um, I just wanted to get one... Th- Actually, I said back back to the Valley Sports, but then I was going to ask you a non-Valley Sports-related question. Um, just to kick it to you guys before we get into the next Valley-related topic, because um, Cody wanted to squeeze this in. Fantasy sports, fantasy football particularly, oh, is Lord. coming up, and it's hot. And I love fantasy football. I know you love fantasy football. Michael Benjamin and VSP Tallman love fantasy football. So... To kick it over to you guys, I'm going to kick it to you, Mike, first. If you had the number one pick in the draft, clean slate, who are you taking? Um, That's a great question, Chris. And I think I'm going with Daniel Jones, the quarterback from the (laughs) New York Giants. I am absolutely just messing with you. I think I've got to go with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I know that they're having a switch over at the quarterback position with Matt Ryan stepping in with the Indianapolis Colts. Could be interesting, but wow. he's a guy who they are going to get involved heavy and often. Often in that offense, he's gonna you know carry the ball twenty plus times a game. Probably see at least five receptions a game um, coming out of the backfield. So if you're in a PPR league, he is a dream to have. So I will be gladly um, keeping him this year because in our league we have a keeper league Uh, we used to do two keepers now we've narrowed it down to one i I do like the one keeper um so you really gotta dissect where your team is at you know with the one guy you have and be a little bit more strategic where back in the day if you had two good running backs from the last year you just keep both of them yeah you got to keep what saquon and ezekiel elliott yeah (laughs) you got a stretch i did it didn't really work out for him that one year guys (laughs) remember oh you you have derrick henry though so yeah well that i I guess i'll take the ball there and i'm I'm glad you brought that up because you guys uh if we do end up doing some content for this draft we have coming up you might see some insight on it It is a one keeper dynasty um down from two like he said but yeah i have derrick henry on my squad um i i have to choose between him and Najee harris um and i am a steelers fan uh, admittedly, so I am kind of leaning towards Najee. Honestly, I kind of forgot I had Derrick Henry because he was injured at the end of last season yeah, and yeah. just kind of chilling out in my injured spot. Uh, so I actually have James some Connor hard too. decisions to make because I was literally while I was thinking about this, looking at it, I was going to say if I had the number one pick, I would I might consider taking Derrick Henry. So you would. He he he's coming off the injury. He is, but the Titans are a good squad. Um, Ryan Tannehill is still at the helm, but they don't have quite their footing in the receiving game. So I think he's going to get take a brunt of the carries like he did in 2020, oh, totally. 2019. Do you want to hear the top five running backs on Yahoo? I bet I could name them. All right, who's number one? Jonathan Taylor. Yep, number two. Austin Eckler. Yep. Um, Derrick Henry. Number three? No, McCaffrey. McCaffrey, then Derrick Henry. Henry's four. Who's fifth? Uh, fifth is Joe Mixon. Yes. 
Wow. Did you just look at this list? Did you see that already? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was peeking oh, at you it. Oh, you're such a I was about to be over here giving you mad props, but you already say, just looked me. it up. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. Okay. We'll still give you a little bit we, of props. That's I did forget McCaffrey there. I had a brain so, fart on that. I was about to say, you just pulled Austin Eckler out of your ass, yeah. man. Like, I know that <laughs> so he's, he's on I don't, I don't believe, good to be fair, I don't believe in years, Austin but, Eckler. But has, do you know yeah. how, like, underwhelming that would be if I kept Austin Eckler? I wouldn't feel good it, about it. It's not a sexy play, that's no. for sure. But then it's like, if I don't keep him, then I have to keep Joe Mixon. Well, cause anyway. Who was the other running back in um, with on the charge? I was going to say San Diego. On the, on the Los Angeles Chargers, who was the other? Because they had a kind of a two running back. Oh, he's he's on, on. Um, Gordon. Oh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, but there, the wasn't there another guy there. after that that... That, that was the two. Oh, maybe that was. I, I don't know then. Yeah, but then there was another guy because I think Eckler was out, and there's some other random guy. That's how it always goes. Like, yeah. like I was, like I was saying earlier, like there's always injuries. But like Alfred Blue, Alfred Blue, yeah, <laughs> out like, of the blue. He got was like that Arian, after Arian Foster got. Yeah, the type. Yeah. Days. But um, anyway, throwback. That, that's um, that's 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 interesting to know. Did you say? Did you say who you would take if you had the number one overall pick? Oh no, with a clean um, slate. It's totally Jonathan Taylor. I think so. I think so. I I do. I will say Derrick Henry is. I don't know. After that, it's because McCaffrey's. Uh, you would think McCaffrey, but he's not. He's made of. He's made of glass. Yeah, he's he's Anthony Davis of football. (laughs) It's a good comparison. That's mean, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. And then it's about that offense too. Like with Mayfield's going to be the starter, so McCaffrey might get a lot of looks, but. He's been hurt like the last two seasons, right? Yeah, the consistency just isn't there with him. Yeah, he gets... All right, name the number six running back. The number six running back? Yeah. James Conner. Najee Harris. No, DeAndre Swift. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. I've been hearing a lot of people propping him up this year that he's going to have a breakout season. But what's up with Leonard Fournette being number eight? Dude, Leonard Fournette is surprisingly not as old as you think he is. I think he's like... He's younger than us. 27. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, remember we were were talking shit. You're like, what, he's like 30, 31? You're like, oh, no, he's younger than us. (laughs) It's all about what you can do out of the passing game, too. And Leonard can still, you know, he can get you three to four catches. So a lot of leagues out there are PPRs, so that's just, you know, added bonus to your team. That's why you see guys like Austin Eckler being the number two, um, you know, fantasy yeah, running he, back. he catches a lot of uh Derrick Henry is number three backfield. just because of the sheer volume that he gets, and he carries yep. the ball 25 to 30 times a game, which he has to for the Titans to even be successful. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what I was kind of kind of alluding to is he's gonna have to get a lot of touches, so he's gonna rely on him staying healthy. And I guess you can say that you can really say that about any running yeah, back Chris, or any position player. Don't take Najee Harris. Wait, you're not gonna keep Jamar Chase, Mike? Don't take Najee Harris, Chris. Fuck you. <laughs> Wait, so we're going off of the draft orders off of a uh, uh, how the last season ended? Okay. Yeah, and who who won last season? Shh. We don't talk about it. <laughs> Maybe we'll put Mike. Mike, you should post the trophy on Instagram. As like a build up, I'll, pro- put, I'll put it up there. Absolutely, I'll take a photo of who won it last year and who was that. Uh, I, th- I don't. What, was, wasn't what me. was the team name? I'm in the money. I'm in the money. All right, Michael Benjamin might have won the won the league last You're year. Damn right. But let's uh let's hard segue here because last time we uh, met up here, we were in Studio B. We're back in Studio A today, um, and we talked about. 
the Kyler Murray contract coming up. We hashed that out. And there was another rumors swirling around at that time of a certain Nets forward that wanted to be traded to the Suns, um, and that's Mr. Kevin Durant. Those rumors have not subsided, and even he's doubled down telling the organization to pick between him or Steve Nash and Sean Marks, and the owner came out and unequivocally stated that he is in support of his GM and coach. So, Mike, I want to ask you, What's going to happen in when the season comes? Is Kevin Durant going to play for the Nets, or is he going to hold out until he gets traded where he wants to go? I, I am so confused at what is going on now. I am in the clouds. I don't know what's happening anymore. I think one of the things that we talked about last time was my thought process was going to be he was basically going to tell the Nets organization that he wasn't going to play for them anymore um, and he needed to be traded uh, within a certain time frame or he would just sit but for him to go out and state that it's either him or the head coach and the GM is just a new wrinkle that I wasn't even it wasn't even in my realm of thinking. I didn't think that it would be on the table for that. Is that another way for him forcing his way out of Brooklyn? I think so, because overall, I don't think he wants to be there. I'm not sure that he has any trust with you know, the organization bringing in Ben Simmons. I don't know what his relationship is like with Kyrie at this point. But all I know is apparently KD was in the Valley on Friday and... You know, he might have just been getting some some burrows because I've heard that that's like uh, that's a the big meme in <laughs> Sun's Twitter that that's the spot that he goes or that he likes or something like that. Is but it some burrows or is it Filibertos? Was it Filiberto? There's too many, you know, Bertos and burrows and me- Mexican like fast food restaurants out in here out here in Arizona to keep track of anymore. But I think that he will not be on the nets come training camp i think that there's too many moving pieces especially now that joe Sy, the owner for the brooklyn nets has basically doubled down and stated that he's in support of his coach and gm and they probably got the wheels turning and are fielding multiple phone calls about possible movement of kevin durant the one thing that I do start to get a little bit worried about is the Phoenix Suns' position and ability to bring in Kevin Durant with the re-signing of DeAndre Ayton. Just because that max spot is you know, allocated to him as well, and Kevin Durant has such a huge contract, what are you going to have to give up if you're the Phoenix Suns? I think the only way you can get it done, and I know a lot of people have already talked about this, and we've talked about it to death, but... It has to be a three or four team trade where another big all-star like maybe the Utah Jazz's uh, Donovan Mitchell being shipped to Brooklyn, our picks going to Utah because they are really invested in trying to build their future, and then a couple of our side piece guys like maybe a Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder campaign. Hopefully you don't have to mortgage the farm in order to bring him in because we are too late into the game at this point to try and hemorrhage the farm just for Kevin Durant. If you have to ship off four or five of your key pieces of your bench, 
you are not setting yourself up for success and the Suns will not be better next year just by bringing him in. It will be a detriment to this team if you have to get rid of the entire core. And I'm talking about even guys like Dario Sarge because I hope that he can come back in and be a featured piece to that second unit. If you have to give up campaign and a Cam Johnson and a Dario Sarge and a Jay Crowder and a Tory Craig, that's out of line. And at this point, the Suns shouldn't even have to think about that because all the cards are on the table that Kevin Durant has said, you get me the hell out of Brooklyn and you figure it, figure out how to do it now. So it should be in the favor of the Suns. But Brooklyn still holds the cards and they're going to want some key pieces coming back to them. So that's why you got to get some other partners involved. But it's we're, we're in the dog days of summer, as a lot of people would say, and... This is the only big NBA news that we got going on. And fortunately, it's something that uh, is Phoenix Suns related. And I'm still under the impression that the Phoenix Suns are going to figure this out. They're going to be able to bring Kevin Durant here because he wants to be here. He wants to play with Devin Booker. And let's get it done. Yeah, it seems like it's still trending in that direction. You can, a lot of people wrote him off after deandre ayton re-signed as not being a contender and i think i think that's a hard thing to bring to the table is i think you bring up a lot of good points there mike that they will have to involve multiple teams they will have to give up some of their assets um campaign um uh, cam johnson maybe even mikhail bridges as much as none of us want to give up mikhail bridges and that's that's a note i made here that's a primary concern is that you're giving up so much depth and you're relying on older veteran players when you have a Chris Paul that's in his late 30s, when you have a Kevin Durant that's going into his mid to late 30s. Of course, we do still have two and a half months uh, just about and before the season starts, um, and that's a lot of time for a move to be made. So I think it's very possible that we we can still see a deal be made and it, Kevin Durant does express a desire to be in Phoenix but I don't necessarily know if he ends up here I just it, I don't see it at this point I know Cody you're kind of um you you've listened you've heard a lot of the same rumors and and, and you know this stuff that's yeah. going on um with this but do you think from your from your perspective as a as maybe more of a casual fan that the Suns would it be worth mortgaging their future for the present and getting a, a, a championship run now with a veteran squad? Yes, it's worth it. I, I would I would hundred percent absolutely. Agree. Well, because not only are are you giving yourself a much better chance to win a title and a much shorter window, of course. Um, but you're you're getting a lot better chance to get that title, and then if you get that title, then that just helps boost up the organization as a whole. And then you got Devin Booker. I mean, we talked about it's like like the Kobe thing. It's like he went through phases of of players coming to play with him on the Lakers and be good, and then they dropped down. Then he got Marcus Gasol to come after uh, after Shaq, and yeah, you know, so that's going to happen with Booker. Is if we get KD to come in, yeah. I mean, I don't care if Bridges goes. I know Mike is would be really upset if that happened. <laughs> exactly. So it's like you're going to trade Bridges for Kevin Durant? Hell yeah, let's do it. You know, then if we win, even if we win just one title, it's worth it. And mm-hmm. then KD retires. They end up trading Aiton away because it's going to happen. We, we probably all can agree that he'll probably get traded <laughs> i don't think he finishes his whole career with phoenix but then you're gonna go through we might have a down year 
but it's all about getting that free agent to want to come play here like Chris Paul, which Chris Paul saw the how great of a, a team they had, a, how great of a core, young core they had in the bubble. Yeah. Which if you could probably argue if the bubble never happened and they didn't go, what, 8-0 in the bubble, then Chris Paul probably doesn't see it, doesn't recognize it, and doesn't come to Phoenix. So it's totally worth it. Do everything you possibly can to get Kevin Durant. Give yourself the best. I mean, because they'd be favorites to win next year if they got Kevin Durant. So give yourself that chance to be the favorite, have the best best possible uh, chance. I'm going to say chance one more time um, to win it, and then just figure it out later. You know, you're going to find somebody that wants to come play here. Yeah, I, no, I hear I hear what you're saying. I would just say from maybe you could call it a devil's advocate perspective or a pessimist perspective. Um, but when you look at team, similar teams that have adopted that strategy, the Los Angeles Lakers having their all their money poured into three superstars and not having a bench, um, even the Brooklyn Nets that Kevin Durant is currently on, it was him, Kyrie, and James Harden. Um, also, you can you can argue uh, Blake Griffin and uh, a few DeAndre Jordan. Drummond. Did they bring in Drummond? No, who was it? Yeah, it was Drummond, right? Drummond or Jordan, I don't remember, but they, either way, they those even where's Kruger at the Nets? Yeah, the, they brought in both. Yeah, both oh, Drummond and Jordan. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, great, even better. So <laughs> they uh, they they go all in on these guys, and then they have no depth, and then they're older guys as well, so they're injured and banged up. So when it really matters, um, Lakers fans love to pull to stomp their feet and pull their hair out and say, "Oh, if LeBron and Anthony Davis were healthy, then they would have swept the West and won the championship." But you can't say that because they're not healthy. Because Anthony Davis is literally Mr. Glass. I love the meme of Samuel Jackson as Mr. Glass and Anthony Davis's face superimposed on him because it's literally <laughs> how the dude is, and he's been that way since his Pelican days. Honestly, look at the Pelicans. Are they struggling right now? They got Brandon Ingram. They got um, Zion Williamson. They got C.J. McCollum. They got Valanciunas. What what is his name? Um, yeah, Valanciunas. Valanciunas. I don't remember yeah. what, his first, I don't know what his first name is. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize they had him too. But goddamn, like yeah, they excuse me for that. But they <laughs> they, they have goddamn. they have a lot of pieces, man. Like, so are they hurting? I'd rather have I I'd rather be a Pelicans fan than a Lakers fan right now. If you're if you're looking at those two squads, I I love LeBron. I think him and Michael. Um, there's going to be an interesting debate for decades and decades and maybe centuries to come on who's the greatest. But and that could maybe be um, foreshadowing a conversation I want to have uh, to kind of end this podcast. But just to just to stay on this topic of this Kevin Durant situation and whether he's going to come here or not, I I'm with you, Cody. I part of me wants to mortgage the future for a championship now. That's kind of been uh, as a as a um, what what do they call us? Not a, a market. What kind of market are we? We're um uh, not a a low market. No, what do they call us? Like mid tier market. Small. Oh. Shit, I can't remember the specific. <laughs> yeah, we're a small market team. Yeah, there you go. Small market well, team, maybe like. But that doesn't make sense because we're a big city, right? Phoenix is one of the top five populated uh, cities in America doesn't make sense no and we we know we know why though it's the transplants right because nobody is born here like we're with us three are the exception yeah. not the rule most people and even look at me i'm a steelers fan because the majority of my family came from pittsburgh and they raised me to be a steelers fan i never had a choice y'all but i try and tell you i have an afc team and an nfc team and sometimes these guys don't accept it but i think you guys accept me as a cardinals fan right 
Hell no, oh, man. man. Get <laughs> the. I mean, I think it's out of my. I think it's about time we, we take down the Steelers stuff, and you just kind of give it up. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. It's the Pickett era beginning in in Pittsburgh. Yuck. Um, I'm oh, very excited to see. Trubisky what they actually did pretty good. Trubis- that's what I'm yeah. saying. I want to. I want them to get rid of Rudolph. I like Trubisky. I well, like Rudolph Pickett. didn't do bad either. I don't think. Um, um. Also, Mike, I lost to you in the final of fantasy. That's what it was. Oh, that's right. For I, football, I don't yeah. even know if I made the playoffs. So to that be means that means I. Not only did I not win last year, I also get to pick seventh. So thanks a lot. <laughs> oh, speaking speaking on fantasy football, I want to come up with like a, a last place punishment. Okay, well, oh, who we, got last place? we have to be very careful with what we do on that. No, I don't. The, so one that I was thinking about that I saw, I think it was last year. It was either on TikTok oh, or a- Facebook <laughs> or something. AZ Chris got last. There was a guy who he had to he had to spend twenty four hours in a Waffle House. But for every yeah, waffle he that. ate, it was an hour off the time. Yes, we should. That's what we should do. Well, I'm eating 24 waffles right away. I mean, good luck. Good luck. luck. <laughs> well, yeah, that's like doing one of those challenges. That's can like you bring them one at a like time. Jimmy Joe's challenge by yourself, dude. That's tough. Oh, dude, I just thought about Jimmy Joe's. Should we do pizza. Waffle House or should we do like IHOP? No, we. We'll add our own flair to it. Yeah, but I we like can't where copy you're going. it for for. Word for word, yeah. You know, we're we're in the what is it? The management circle here. Yeah, I'd say so. We're, we're gonna. We, I'm the commissioner. You guys are my co-commissioners. Yeah, so we have all two thirds vote on everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, last we're year we said out. you had to wear a dress to the draft. Was that it? I like that. Uh, I just I don't know if that's written anywhere. Did I get last? <laughs> I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's written. No, AZ Chris got last. No, AZ Chris. Yeah. Um, you, you got fourth, man. I got fourth. Oh, that's your not brother got third. I, I got second. Mike go. got first. Well, cool. Well, we'll figure we'll figure that all out. I mean, we we got a whole new season ahead of us. I'm uh, satisfied with my tough decision of having to choose between Najee Harris and Derrick Henry, um, and uh, excited to see what happens from that. But I did want to shift into one last topic before we uh, we finish our monthly uh, meeting here. And that is that um, the late, great Bill Russell passed at the end of July on the 31st at the age of 88 years old, um, obviously without saying a legend and maybe the greatest player of all time. You can have debates about generation and skill level and the way the game changes, but you, I think you, I think most people would understand, and this is something we might even break down more on past the outlet, is generation to generation you have to look at them in a bubble you can't compare any one in my opinion you can't compare any one generation to the next and that's why even within the michael jordan and lebron debate there's so much nuance within that so please tune maybe this is a quick plug real quick tune into tune into past the outlet and uh, me and mike will be breaking that down but this topic that i want to bring up um about the late great bill russell is that earlier this week um Commissioner Adam Silver came out and announced that they are retiring the number six league-wide, which means that no player will be able to wear that number going forward. And that includes um, everyone who currently wears the number six, I would assume, which also includes LeBron James. I think they said that they'll be grandfathered in. So anybody who's still wearing the number six will still be allowed to wear it. Okay, good to know. Okay, that makes sense. So as long as they don't change their number, they won't be able to change back. And any new player coming in will not be able to choose the number six. I think that's fair if you're going to do something like this where you're retiring a number. And for someone like Bill Russell, 
Uh, I think Mike tweeted out um, from the VSP page what, that this was well deserved, and his opinion is very much that this is well deserved. Um, and do you want to do you want to from the horses? Do you want to speak on that yourself? I guess I shouldn't speak for you here, huh? Yeah. As far as when you start thinking about legendary status of athletes, it's not only what they did on the floor, but you know, sports is such a transcendent. Um, aspect of everyday life where you have to start to consider what other things that these athletes have done you know guys like LeBron James have used their platform to talk on social justice issues you know he created uh, his own school in Ohio and just different aspects of everyday life that are outside of the sport itself so Bill Russell was a big transcendent piece for that. Um, you know, going back to even as recent as 2020 um, with the um, Black Power movements and whatnot. And he was a guy who had a great platform and was at the forefront of those. So throughout history, Bill Russell had had his trials and tribulations and was a, a social status power figure um to you know be in empowerment for um black men and women of america and it only helps his legendary status that he won 11 championships yeah. with the boston celtics he even won as a player coach which i believe he was the first one in nba history to do so he's one of the all-time winningest players in nba history and his prowess within the game even after he left and his significance within the player circles the coaches circles the you know social media uh, everything that involved around evolved around the game he was such a big part of of and even more so than you could say some of the greats of his time he was just always still involved with what the nba was doing was such a big profile in the grand scheme of basketball overall not just the nba but basketball i thought that it was more than well deserved um, for the nba to come out and how quickly they did it as well was just significance to how much he meant to the nba and to the players and everybody that's involved so i i think that it's well deserved and it can spark a whole different conversation when it comes to what are you looking at when it comes to retiring numbers. You know, one of our most recent um, big profile figures that passed within the past couple of years, Kobe Bryant, mm -hmm. is, you know, is the number 24 or the number eight going to one day be retired um, league wide? You know, it's there's great conversations that can be had from that. But I just think that it was a no-brainer because of how big of a profile he was for the creation of the NBA and, you know, you know the mergers from the ABA and the really beginnings of the NBA. He is one of the true last legends that was um, around. And now that he's passed, they're just trying to immortalize him. And I... Uh, I'm all for it, man. But I will definitely pass the conversation over to you too. Yeah, no, thank thank you, Mike, for sharing your perspective. And I just want to like 
just preface it what i'm about to say by by obviously acknowledging his legacy and understanding that he overcame an incredible amount of adversity especially playing and coaching in boston massachusetts um during the 50s and 60s where if you know anything about american history that was not an easy time uh to be a black person in america uh, to say it simply um and i can't even begin to understand but i but i can empathize is it empathize yeah i can empathize with 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 that so on top of that and all the adversity he overcame throughout that he was in like mike said an 11 time champion just reading off his resume real quick here five time nba most valuable player 12 time all-star and nba all-star mvp three time nba first team eight time nba second team um and that's just what he did on the court and like mike said there's a laundry list of everything he did off the court both politically and just in his community where Bill Russell was a guy a lot of people looked up to. Everyone looked up to Bill Russell. And it gets forgotten about in the modern era because, like I just said, that was in the scope of the 50s, 60s. People still probably knew about him a lot in the 70s. But when you think about how much time has passed, you're talking 30, 40, 50 years at this point, like generations where um, you've had guys come through like Michael, uh, Michael Jordan, like Kobe Bryant. All these other great players that we've seen, um, I could go on and on listing these players' names, but I think that for me, where I come in and maybe with a different perspective than Mike, I think I understand where teams will always have jerseys they retire themselves, and they say, within this team, this player can't wear this jersey. Um, and I just can't, I worry because with America as a country, it, we're the young, one of the youngest countries, I think less than 300 years old. And these sports, especially like basketball, are less than 200 years old. So there's going to be, if we continue, if we can see a future for this um, race, if you will, or this country, whatever, this league is going to continue on. And how many players can you retire before every number is retired? Like you can make, there's an argument for 23 to be retired. There's an argument for 8 or 24 to be retired from Kobe Bryant dying. Um, and, and so where does that stop? I, I understand everything and Bill Russell's impact, but on a league-wide basis, um, to, to do that, I, I just I think I think it's a bad move. I don't like it. Um, not, and I don't want to and like I tried to set that up with, I don't want to take anything away from Bill Russell and everything he accomplished on and off the court, but I just don't like uh, retiring numbers league-wide. And Cody, I'm curious, in, in any sport, what is your perspective on that? Is this the first time they've ever done that? I think so. Yeah, for the, for NBA, the NBA, yes, for the NBA, this should be the first time. Well, they they have never done that in any other sport, right? Well, I was gonna say that's the next other question. It's mostly baseball just, with Jackie Robinson oh, and the okay. number forty two. Yeah, number yeah, forty two yeah. is retired. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Um, I mean, oh, I don't know. It's I I well, with this, there's really no right or wrong answer. Um, to just look at the how. He won 11 championships, eight of them in a row. That's incredible. And that the sport was so small back then. Imagine if someone did that nowadays. Can like that's just that's unheard of. Does he deserve it? Absolutely. Um, league wide, though, I I don't know. I I think it they should just stick to you know just the Celtics retiring the number, just like you know, how you would on the ring of honor or whatever mm -hmm. for the franchise, uh, league wide, it's might be a little bit of a push. Um, but like I said before, there's no right or wrong answer. Is it well deserving? Absolutely. Um, if 
I mean, if they came out and retired it for Kobe, I, I mean, yeah, you can argue whatever with Kobe, but I think he's, uh, Russell's more deserving of having his number retired league wide than I think anybody else. So I, I like it. I don't know. That's my take. <laughs> no, I hear you. And I, I think I would, I, I, like you brought up there league wide. It's a question. I think for a team specifically, sure. If you want to continue to, to, um, you know, have these numbers be retired. I just think maybe nihilistically, what at what end does that come to? Uh, you know, a couple hundred years down the road, if a lot of numbers have been retired. But to kick it to kick it back to you, Mike. Well, I think another problem that I have with it personally, or maybe not personally, but a problem I have with it is that Bill Russell was 88 and he had already accomplished all of this stuff. Why did it take him dying for the league to do this? Why not give him his flowers when he was still alive and give him his respect and let, would he have said, would he have been like, no, I don't want that. And that's why they waited. Or do you think he would, I don't want you to think in the mind of Bill Russell, but I guess more to the beginning of that question, what do you think about them not doing this while he was still alive? I could see him kind of having that viewpoint about it, you know, maybe 30, 40 years past his playing days. They, I don't know. They might've came to him and said, Hey, you are so transcendent for your game for our game and you know there were so many impactful moments and things that you did for us we'd like to retire your number and he might have said no because he was a selfless human being right um there's a lot of great conversations that you bring about from that chris and in, in, in your viewpoints and whatnot if you think just about the game aspect and how you know greatness can be portrayed on the floor and retiring numbers every team has their due diligence to figure out who their greats are and retire their numbers i totally understand when you start thinking about league-wide you have to be very careful because you can start thinking about okay semantics can start to get into the way you know there's a lot of people whose favorite player is michael jordan there's a lot of people whose favorite player is kobe bryant those are two of the probably top three people you know especially of fans now or the past 30 years would say are their goats in in certain aspects you also there's just a lot more things at play here you have to start thinking about what else came with them you know there's been a myriad of things that people have said about Michael Jordan and the kind of teammate that he was and the kind of person that he was that have rubbed people the wrong way. The same with Kobe Bryant. Now, when you start thinking about, well, what other athletes have we seen with, um, you know, the numbers that are retired in the league and the main one that comes to mind is obviously Jackie Robinson with his number 42 retired throughout baseball. What is one of the main aspects about that is Jackie Robinson was um, he broke the racial barrier in baseball and changed the game as we know it to create the opportunity for not only black men to play in the major leagues, but, you know, start to see people from other countries and just influence the game out to the world from just our little corner of the universe here in America, you know. I think that's one of the big aspects with Bill Russell in, you know, the trials and tribulations he had to go through as a black man um, playing in the 50s and 60s. And it's a different conversation that has to be had because at the end of the day, 
sports are a game, but if you can make an impact in a social way and the way that people think in their everyday lives and personality wise, what's acceptable and whatnot, I think that is more transcendent than what you do on the basketball floor. But this can go back to what you're talking about. Well, you know, how do you judge what people have, have what greatness have people done? There are, I'd still say, a lot more people who say Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time to play in the NBA. Right. Um, he's undefeated. He went six for six in uh, NBA championships in the finals. Um, he changed the way that the game was seen, the things that he did on the floor. And on a global level, he took it more to the world than anybody had done. So once it comes to his time um, of passing, that might be a conversation that that, ha- that happens because of his prowess within the game. But you also have to start thinking exactly 100 years down the line. What are we going to say? Steph Curry changed the way that the game is you know, played inside he out did. and now to three-point line. Yeah. Th- to the three-point line. So from a game aspect, you know, is he somebody that you have to start thinking about at the end of his career and by the time that he becomes immortalized? Is he a guy that, you know, you see the number 30 going into the rafters league-wide? I, I, I don't think that we're looking at it just sheerly from a aspect of what he did on the floor. We're looking at it as an aspect of a whole and the type of humanitarian he was and he, everything he that he sport. went through yeah. within his life to change the sport from you know when he started it was primarily a, a white dominated game and now it is a multicultural game and he's ch- he was one of the f- forefront of those people who changed the foundation of what basketball as a whole is so when you start diving into things like that i that's why i still stick to it as a no brainer because of the winner that he was and the p- person that he was and that's where I stand by. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Cody, I look, do you have something to say? Oh, no. I think Mike totally nailed it. Um, I mean, he broke down that color barrier for not only just basketball, but for all major sports. Exactly. So. And, and that's something I wanted to highlight is that when you're talking about that, we're, and we're, as we're trying to get equality in how we treat people and how this country is operated, whatever, and we're not, this isn't a political podcast, we're trying to keep it sports related, but I don't think there, my point being there, I don't think there'll ever be another guy like Bill Russell, like Jackie Robinson, like Muhammad nope. Ali, who are really fighting those fights. Like, yeah, LeBron James is out there fighting the fight. All these athletes are out there fighting the fight. But it's much it's much more of an accepted conversation to have now out in the open where a lot more people are ready to approach it, where you can have it on the national stage, where not to diminish any of those guys fighting the fight now, but when you look at those guys like I just named Jackie Robinson, Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, they were very much standing out and putting a lot at risk and on the line. Um, whereas by LeBron speaking out, he's not risking anything in his career, to be perfectly honest about it. Um, and that's not to diminish his fight at all. I hope he continues to fight for what he believes in. But just saying they're not nearly up against the fight that these other guys 60 years ago were. Yeah, you're exactly correct, Chris. But it also is attributed to what they went through and the fight that they did. You know, those specific guys that you say. So that's why it's going to be far and few between that we'll see these type of figures immortalized within sport. You know, will the NBA ever 
um, you know, league-wide retire another number again? I don't know. And to be honest with you, within the next 50 to 60 years, I don't think so. You know, as great, we can go back, as great as Michael Jordan was, he he's cemented within his own legacy, but I don't think that he is a... It, but, it's so hard to say. I was going to say it's of, not a he's not a transcendent enough figure to but, um, retire league wide, which is tough. It's a tough conversation to have. But I'll pass it back to you, Chris. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm not trying to steal this from you, but like when you're talking, obviously I understand it's not the same. But Bill Russell, he was breaking down racial barriers and doing different things early on, where he changed the game in that way. Where Michael Jordan, there's an argument where he brought the game global. Him and David Stern really brought the game to a global market and expanded the NBA to blow it up to what it is now, where these guys are making millions of dollars, like half a million, quarter million dollar contracts, like or I'm sorry, half a billion, quarter billion dollar contracts. Like we're gonna see a we're gonna see a deal in the next 10, 20 years where a player is making five hundred million dollars over six, seven years, something like that. It's gonna be insane. That's gross. <laughs> but that's besides the fact that there's a whole other a whole bunch of other factors to play at that. But just to to, to stick get back on the con, the rail of retiring these numbers, I, I I hear the arguments, and I and if it's just Bill Russell, if it's just the number six, that's that's fine, that's cool. But a lot of people have worn the number six from the time he retired and stopped playing in the '60s to 2022 when he's dead, and now we're giving him the retired jersey. We could have done this 10, 20 years ago when Bill Russell still had all the accolades, still put up all the fight, and was still the guy we know and love or knew and loved. Um, not to be morbid about it, but same. I and I'm with you, Mike. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I don't see them retiring another number as great as Michael was. Um, culturally, he was polarizing. You, you know, there's a lot of people that either loved him or hated him. He's got the sneaker deal. He's had a lot of a legacy after his playing career, where I think a lot of Bill Russell's legacy was during his playing career. And you, is that correct? Do you know if that's correct or not? Because I know he did. He did comment and he did make appearances after his career. But as far as like an impact as far as Jordan and his brand making an impact. Well, see, that's a, another that tough thing to talk it. about, though, yeah. because he was always such a prevalent figure within the NBA the past 30 years, you know, at any major appearances or NBA finals. There he was. You'd see him chopping it up with the new kids. <laughs> Excuse me. Being courtside. Pa- yeah. <laughs> passing along, you know, all of his learnings and information that he had to anybody who was willing to listen. Mm-hmm. He was still a pretty prevalent figure up until his eighties, um, which I would even say is different than the way that Michael has been around. You know, Michael is still a transcendent figure, but either than, you know, being at his games with the Charlotte Hornets because he's a part owner or coming to the you know 75th anniversary celebration of the top 75 players of all time what kind of what kind of conversations is michael jordan having about the league what kind of conversations is he having about basketball and still being somebody who is at the forefront for the new generation coming in yeah. i i don't see it like i did with bill russell and i think that's why there was so much love for him um it's it's uh it'll be a it'll be an interesting conversation you know when we get to the point when 
and not to be morbid like we've said a couple of times <laughs> but when michael does pass of course it'll be an interesting conversation and i think one other uh tidbit to talk on as well chris where you say well why didn't we do this within the past 10 years well it was because bill russell was still such a part of the game and and a big figure that was there you didn't feel like you had to give him completely his just desserts, I guess, which is a tough way to say it. I, I feel like I'm not saying it correctly, but it's also the same aspect that, you know, a lot of us within our lives, we 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 don't know what we have until it's gone. Sure. And sometimes selfishly, we don't express our gratitude properly until those people that we love aren't with us anymore but it's our way of showing our graciousness and our love for them and basically telling them we won't forget you and everything that you've done for us and that i think is kind of the the last hurrah and the last you know bow that the nba is giving to bill russell and everything that he's given to the game the past 50 years and it, it's not it's probably had something to play into his family too. You gotta think, you know, they, yeah, they did it for him after he passed away, but I think it's more for his legacy yeah, and his, his legacy, family to, to carry on. Yeah. Um, side note, they also retired Wayne Gretzky's number in the NHL. What number is that? I don't, I didn't. Not 99, right? <laughs> is it 99? It has to be 99. Well, like, so that's, that's, so it's, it's only Gretzky Robinson and then now Russell but that can go ever of the major sports exactly that can go into your conversation I mean Wayne Gretzky is still plenty much alive he's and very kicking. Much he's alive. a yeah. <laughs> he's a TV personality on TNT and does stuff with uh, Paul Bissonette on um, on their game calls and whatnot yeah it just is it's all depending it's all dependent on you know what kind of league you are and and exactly I that'd be a great question to ask if you ever found yourself you know with the big nba corporate people like adam silver where it's like did you guys ever have that conversation about bill russell and the retirement of his number because of everything that he's done and the way that you feel about him for this league or was it you know just an unwritten rule or law between the two parties that once he did pass, it was going to be something that was done. That's an that'd interesting be, angle. Yeah. That, that'd be something that, you know, you'd never know. Whereas Wayne Gretzky would definitely, uh, he definitely <laughs> strike me as somebody who'd be like, Oh, you want to retire my number? Hell yeah, man. Go Look right at ahead. I, I was all time <laughs> leading scorer in the NHL. Go for it, man. You know I, what I did. You know, I am the greatest. But I did want to. I did want to bring this back locally, and um, just while we're speaking on retired numbers, do you um, and Cody will be right back in here. I think you went to the bathroom. But um, do you know how many numbers the Arizona Cardinals have retired? It's got to be like seven to ten numbers, something around there. There's a decent amount. It's like Dan Deerdorf. I think Adrian Wilson is retired now. Uh, Larry Wilson. You got Larry Wilson. I think Kurt uh, Kurt Warner is on there now. 
No, Kurt's not so on there? So Ring of Honor is different from retired numbers. Keep that oh, in mind. Oh, okay. Well, see, just you got to reference in, that at the beginning. Yeah, no, just because they're in the Ring I'm of Honor pace. doesn't mean that they're retired. So I'll, I'll, Cody, do you, I'll ask Cody real quick. Do you know how many uh, Cardinals numbers are retired? What did you guess? I said 7 to 10. 7 to 10. Um, but I was... I was basing it off of the Ring of like Honor. officially retired? Officially retired, not just Ring four, of Honor. Four or five. Cody's right. It's five. Five. Okay. Um, and Co- and Is it Williams? Mike already named uh, Larry Wilson. So you guys got four more names. Aeneas? Aeneas is not one of them. Damn. There's a really easy one that you guys should get. There's a um, um, a run every year in his honor. Oh, Pat, oh, Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman yeah. Yep, number yeah. 40. Pat Tillman is retired. So eight, Larry Wilson, and 40, Pat Tillman. Um... I'll give you this one. Marshall Goldberg, 99, okay. is retired, but he gave permission to J.J. Watt to wear 99. Yes, that's right. So, or, no, sweet. isn't he, okay. like wasn't that. it his, like, daughter or something gave him Yeah, because, no, you're right. I think Marshall Goldberg, I think he's deceased. Yeah. Rest in peace. But, but that his family the, gave J.J. Watt permission. Shows you the type of guy J.J. Watt is. Well, of course, and, and, and like I even said earlier, um, anyone who, who has listened through this whole podcast... J.J. Watt's a stand-up guy and that leader, not only on the field, but in the community where he's just a stand-up guy all around. You see nothing but good stories. Like, these things there may or may not be fabricating with this Kyler Murray jersey thing. Like, J.J. Watt just does that on a regular basis. I saw some lady who was trying to sell her J.J. Watt Under Armour shoes, and he was like, no, keep the shoes, and then I'll send you a signed version and $10,000 or some shit. I don't know if it was exactly that, but, like, he was like, he's just trying to help people. He's a good dude. But... Back to the back to the conversation. We got Larry Wilson, Pat Tillman, Marshall Goldberg. There's two other Cardinals players that are retired. And I'll give you I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that the Cardinals are an old organization. I was going to say yeah, they're probably yeah. from I was Chicago, say right? Probably really old. So give us the fourth one. Who was the fourth one? Stan Malden, number okay. seventy-seven. And then the last guess I have for you, number twenty, uh, number twenty-two, Emmett Smith, right? Wrong. Damn. I I have no idea. It's number eighty-eight. J.V. Kane, who yeah. played from 1974 to 1978 and retired in 79. Um, and I will say that Stan Malden, uh, his uh, his heyday was 1946 to 48. So a guy who played for us for two or three seasons, we retired number 77. So I'm just saying, when it comes to retiring jerseys, Bill Russell deserved it. He did. Maybe Wayne Gretzky deserves it. Maybe Tom Brady will one day deserve to have 12 retired. Maybe there's an argument for 12 and 8 to be retired. And there's arguments for all these players, but where does it end? Where does it end? Well, I think the Cardinals need to retire number three for Josh Rosen. <laughs> not for Carson Palmer? <laughs> no. No, for Rosen, though. For Rosen. Not for Palmer. Well, okay. no, they should, they should retire number eight again. For all the quarterbacks that were passed over him, <laughs> that were mistakes. I thought it was nine mistakes. Oh, my bad. So number nine. Rosen was the sacrifice so that we could get Kyler Murray. Wait, Chris, <laughs> the last one. Can you pull up the Suns Ring of Honor? I want to try and see if I can rattle this off. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, I yeah. might let me, be able let to. Me, let me pull this up real quick. The Ring of Honor or the Suns Retired Numbers? Uh, just the Ring of Honor. Okay, okay. And then you can see Retired Numbers. But I think for the Suns, I think Ring of Honor means Retired Numbers. I might Didn't be they put Al McCoy on the Ring of Honor? Yeah, so there's Al McCoy. What's there's his number? J- there's Joe. Uh, oh, okay, so <laughs> Joe Prosky, who was the athletic trainer. There's also Cotton Fitzsimmons, who was a coach, and then uh, obviously my guy Connie Hawkins, number forty-two, is on there. Yep. Uh, Walter Davis, number six. Yep. 
That's retired, and he's in the uh, ring of honor. Charles Barkley's on there, 34. Yep, not retired, though. Okay. Um, um, oh, Dick Van Arsdale. Oh, hold on, this list is hard to read. Um, yes, Dick Van Arsdale. Is he 33? Five. Number five. Retired. Okay. Um, Alvin Adams, I think he was 33. Alvin Adams is on here, and he is 33, retired. Damn. Okay. Um, yep. Oh my goodness! Who else? Uh, 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 I mean, Steve Nash is on there now. He is, yep. Oh man. Um, let me see. Is Steve Nash? Steve Nash is not retired. The thirteen is not retired. Yeah, he won't be retired. Cody, you got any guesses? No. Uh, Kevin Johnson <laughs> is on there. Uh, I don't think Kevin Johnson is in the ring of honor. Oh no, he is. Yeah, seven yeah. retired. Dan what Marley should be on there as well. Yep, Dan Marley is. Uh, Dan Marley is. Uh, shoot. Number nine. Number nine. Give is, me a hint. It, uh, yeah, not retired though. Not retired. Nine how, is not retired. How many am I missing? Okay, so you said you said Dan Marley. You said Al McCoy. You said Steve Nash. Yeah. You said Dick Van Arsdale. Yeah. Did you say Paul Westfall? Ah. No. Paul Westfall. Forty-four. That he's retired. Yeah. Uh, did you say Joe Prosky? Yeah. Yeah. He was the, the athletic, athletic trainer. trainer. Um, Al McCoy, Dan Marley, John McLeod. John McLeod. Oh, John yeah. McLeod. He was, a, he was a, uh, a coach, I believe. Yep. Coach from yeah. 73 to 87. Okay. Um, Kevin Johnson, you nailed. Connie Hawkins, your man. Cotton Fitzsimmons. I, I said him. Yep. yep. You yep. said Cotton. He was a coach. Walter Davis. You said Walter. Yep. Uh, Jerry Colangelo. Oh, uh, my gosh. GM, coach, owner, executive from 68 to 2004. Oh, that's kind of bad. It is bad. He's the reason <laughs> that the Suns are in <laughs> Literally. <laughs> literally. Oh, no. Uh, my bad, Jerry. All good, all good. We'll forgive you. Um, we got Tom Chambers, Charles Barkley, and Alvin. Oh, Adams. Chambers, yeah. So okay. um, Tom Chambers, you got. We didn't forget. He's didn't not retired that. though. So the retired numbers are um, Alvin Adams, thirty-three; Walter Davis, six; Connie Hawkins, forty-two; Kevin Johnson, seven; um, and Dick Van Arsdale, five; and Paul Westfall, forty-four. Yeah. Okay. So if the if the if the Suns stick around for another you know a couple hundred years they won't have any numbers left because <laughs> one will get retired um you know we'll have to we'll just have to start retiring all the numbers and uh <laughs> i'm just i'm totally joking but uh we we were having fun we had fun today this was the valley sports plug heat check podcast um i'm i'm stoked man i'm stoked for everything we have to come uh we have passed the outlet we have the heat check podcast live we're going to bring this podcast specifically to you once a month guaranteed um maybe me and cody will be able to sneak some in here who knows with football season ramping up sundays will be interesting. oh yeah uh we'll have to figure this out but make there, sure you follow us on the socials mike what you got for us yeah there's going to be plenty of content with uh hard knocks coming on hopefully you guys hop in here a couple of times you know during the football season talk about what you're seeing and uh what's going on with the cardinals i'm super excited man lot to look forward to um the sports that we look we that we love are ramping up football season basketball season right around the corner just a couple months away so um you know tune in stick with us cody you got anything nope can't wait until uh until week one i'm excited it's gonna be a lot of fun cardinals got chiefs week one um the suns are look looks like they're running it back until we get kd uh we'll keep you updated with all the latest news in that but um Man, just really glad to be back. Really glad to have you with us. If you made it this far in the podcast, thank you so much. 
Um, again, Twitter and Instagram at AZ underscore VSP, Facebook.com slash Valley Sports Plug, and on YouTube, Valley Sports Plug. I'm Chris Patrick, along with VSP Tallman and Michael Benjamin. We will see you next time.